Thank you for calling Gaywire. Your call is very important to us. Press 1 for fourth wave feminism. Press 2 for a strangely in-depth discussion about where the worms have gone. Press 3 for... You have chosen option 3. Please stay on the line. Hello, and thank you for choosing option 3. You've reached Gaywire, where everything is at least a little bit queer. I am your crimbly jimbly host, Terence Adams, and my pronouns are they and them. Gaywire is produced for CJSR on Treaty 6 territory and Region 4 of the Métis Nation of Alberta, a Miskwetiwiskaigin colonially known as Edmonton, which has been the traditional home and gathering place of many distinct nations, including but not limited to the Nehia, Nitsitapi, Nakota Sioux, Dene, Anishinaabe, Inuit, and Métis. Uh, please remember that reconciliation is not a one-time thing, it is an ongoing practice, and to ad- adapt, adapt and change that practice as your knowledge grows. Since the holiday season for many folks is coming up, if you are buying gifts for someone, please do consider buying local, buying queer, and buying indigenous, and you can get all of those things and more at the quilt bag. But of course, reconciliation is not just monetary, it is related to the very way that our communities are structured. So also be very mindful of the community building practices that you are engaging in, and specifically work on figuring out when it's time to step back and let someone else speak, when it's time to take up space, and when it's time to use our privilege to help liberate others. There are, of course, many different ways that we can develop these community building practices, one of which is by listening to CJSR on 88.5 FM because of the wide diversity of folks that we speak to, which is a perfect segue into introducing our two interviewees for this episode, the first of which is Hot Wheels, a local drag performer who has done some really incredible prop work, and then after that, we will be hearing from Stretcher Hyman, who is a self-described country menace drag king. So all that is coming up very soon. I just want to give y'all a couple of announcements before we get to the interviews. First and foremost, uh, since it is very, very cold out and uh, it will likely continue to be very cold for the next couple of months, with fluctuations of course, uh, naloxone is something that needs to be kept warm. You should carry naloxone at all times, but in the winter you have to keep it inside your coat on the inside pocket against your body because when it freezes the effectiveness of the naloxone decreases. So you can still use it if it's been frozen and thawed but if it is frozen frozen of course it is very difficult to use and if it is frozen and thawed then the effectiveness might be decreased. So please carry naloxone in your inside pockets, inside coat pockets to keep them warm and if you don't already have naloxone you can get a naloxone kit for free at any pharmacy. And um, I know that the holiday times can be very difficult uh, when engaging with family, when it comes to misgendering or 
just instances of ignorance or maliciousness that, regardless of the intent, make us feel like too much or like not enough, um, and sometimes both at the same time. I just want to let you know that if you are experiencing something like that, you are not alone and you are loved and appreciated and you have so many wonderful things to bring to this world regardless of how those outside of you choose to perceive your physical body. Now, I know that I said I was going to include Alberta Drag King history as part of the prelude to the interviews, but I just do not have the energy or the brain power to manage that at this point. I still fully intend on including that history when I am able to fully engage with the amazing thesis project by Angela Marie Meyer that is called King Me Drag King History in Alberta um, up to 2016. I do not know all the specifics because it is not pulled up in front of me, but that's what I know off the top of my head. So if you are just itching to hear that information or read it rather, you can find that uh, thesis project online. Again, it's by Angela Marie Meyer and it is called King Me and it's about Alberta drag kings. Um, but rather than uh, talk about some of that, I think I'd rather um, take a little bit of time to reflect on how the journalistic process has been, uh, interviewing different drag performers, attending drag shows, and even experimenting with drag myself a little bit. I'm continually surprised by how expansive drag is. Um, I will have some sort of assumption that uh, a genre of music or style or person uh, they seem like they would not be into drag or be able to rock a drag performance. Drag is so expansive, literally anyone can bring something new to the table that is absolutely unique and show-stopping. So it's really incredible to just see how creative these performers, these local performers are, and how wonderful of a community practice drag is um, as a queer community. I think that as we are slowly easing our way out of the exclusively virtual world um, and into a world of uncertainty and in-person interaction, um, I feel like drag performers have a really important role to play in sort of signaling to the queer community that we're here and we are thriving. Drag makes people hyper-visible. It's a exaggerated performance of gender, of a song, of an idea, of, of how you are perceiving yourself, and it's very liberating to see someone just absolutely feeling it in their own body, loving it. So it's it's nice for people to see that, especially when we haven't been able to see a lot of a lot of community members due to the pandemic, which is still ongoing, and therefore we need to take into consideration how we maintain accessibility for folks both in person and online, because uh, placing preference over one form of communication or another will inevitably leave folks 
um, excluded. And so we sort of need to figure out as a community how we're going to make sure that everyone can be included because absolutely there are so many different types of queer people, of 2SLGBTQIA plus people. There are so many different types and, and we want to make sure that everyone can experience community regardless of what sort of intersecting marginalizations they are experiencing. So yeah, drag is very expansive and I guess my hope is that as we expand uh, back into the in-person space that we don't shrink away too much from the online space in the hopes that folks of all different um, accessibility needs can access this art form. So, so yes, just things to keep in mind, and without further ado, it is time to get to these stinking interviews that I was talking about. You might have heard that, you might have not, I'm recording this out of order, but this first interview is with Hot Wheels, at Hot Wheels Baby 28 with a Z on Instagram, um, and we talk about what their experience is like being a drag performer in Edmonton, and everything to do with that. I'm Hot Wheels. Um, I use she, they, he pronouns in drag and out of drag. And my name out of drag is Jay, just Jay. <laughs> so how long have you been practicing drag? Um, I started in March. Um, so I'm pretty much a newbie still. Um, but I, I'm growing. I'm really enjoying what I'm doing right now. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> um, what initially drew you to it? Um, for a very long time, I was like obsessed with drag and I wasn't sure if I should join and because like when I first found out about drag, I didn't realize like born women can do it too. And um, when I found out, I got so excited and I was just like, you know what? I think I'm going to try it out. And I did, and it's been so much fun. I started on social media, and I just went from there. How did how did that feel to actually to discover, um, like what was that discovery process like that that drag kings and drag performers of other genders exist? I was I was really really happy, and I felt like I always felt like drag was for everyone. It's it's just a fun way to play around with gender to just grow and be yourself. And when I found out that it's like the norm, I was like, perfect, this is great. It's, it's, it's a perfect place for just queer people to just celebrate ourselves. So yeah. So you said that you started um, online. Uh, what was that process like? So basically I started on TikTok. I was always playing around with it and I just, I got my drag name and I was like, you know what, let's do it. So I made little videos of me getting into drag and it kind of skyrocketed. So I started doing Instagram and that's when I found people from Edmonton coming out and supporting my drag and loving it. And I got really excited because I didn't think I would be able to go on stage so soon anyways. Like I was just like, oh, this is a bedroom fun little thing to do. And it just went from there. It was so exciting. 
Yeah. So how did that transition from like online to in in real life uh, performance aspect? How did that work for you? Um, so I'm I'm disabled, so I always had a hard time going to the clubs, but um, so I didn't go that often. And a lot of people think that you have to go to clubs in drag and kind of network to like get on stage. But honestly, you could start with social media and start reaching out to performers and they might reach out to you. And it's all just very supportive of one another. And eventually so many people that I knew that were in the drag scene started mentioning my name more often. And eventually I, I got booked for my first gig, Fresh Fruits. Well, that's awesome. Um, so a lot of things that you've said sort of have an overarching theme of drag as an art form being super accessible and just fluid. Um, so how how is drag uh, an accessible art form for you personally? Um, I just, for so long, I've been very lost like you know when you turn 18 and you're trying to create a career for yourself and you couldn't figure it out I started with just drawing I was I was like just an artist and I I wasn't getting anywhere and I loved makeup and I loved um performing I I was always like lip syncing in my bedroom or in front of my parents and I felt like it was something that would just work perfectly to Together for me as a person and when I found out that there's these people that are trying to make it more accessible for disabled artists for anyone really it just it gave me that confidence I needed to like push forward and just be like I take up space this is my turn my turn to be on stage <laughs> yeah um how how does it feel to be sort of out of drag versus it like how does it feel to be in the world out of drag versus in the world in drag? Um, shockingly, it didn't really make a huge difference for me. I, I don't know. I, I know a lot of people have like this transformation with drag and that they have like a persona, but I'm just, I'm just me in and out of drag. Like I can't help it. I, I always used to dress up anyways outside of drag. So like people stared at me anyways and it was just like you know what nothing really has changed for me <laughs> I love that because it's it's again just a testament to how vast the the art form is because some some folks it is that complete transformation and for other folks it's very much integrated into everyday life so I, I love I love hearing all the different ways that drag can be explored it's always it's so fun um so in terms of like developing a performance or like a set um how how does that work for you uh I'm I'm such an overthinker and I <laughs> I'm always like indecisive and I was always like I have all these ideas so it kind of started with narrow narrowing down my idea and trying to pick a song first song choice was like my number one where I could work around it I like creating little stories on stage. So my costume kind of has to like work with the song. And I kind of use a hot glue gun a lot. So that, 
that's kind of my thing. I just, I just craft stuff and I slowly build something together that I can feel confident portraying the song as. Um, since this is going to be just the audio shared with listeners, uh, we will share some photos on our social media. So yeah, dude, go check those out because uh, we'll show as many photos of as many people as possible on our social media. Um, uh, but, oh, where was I going with that? Oh, could you describe, um, I guess, a couple of your favorite looks, as many as you want to? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, my first look I ever done was a biblically, biblically, biblically accurate angel. And um, I made it out of paper and I, I cut out like a bunch of little wings and I created little eyes on it. And I, I like glued feathers and lace and I like glued it all together and I put it on a pair of sunglasses that I could just shove on my face. And that's how you kept it on your face. Oh my goodness. I was like, how is this staying on their head? Right. Right. I like sunglasses, sunglasses. It just popped into my brain and then in there. So I could see right through the mask too. It's perfect. Uh, another one I did was for Pagentinta. I won that competition, which was really cool. I created a carnival ride, kind of a carousel on my head where it spins. And there's like little masks that I bought online that I connected it to. So it like changes my face when it spins. It's, it's really cool. And my brother helped me out with it to help it spin. We use skateboard bearings to make it spin as fast as it can. <laughs> oh my gosh, that sounds incredible. I haven't seen that one. Um but I've got to I've I I've got to find photos now. Um I yeah, oh my goodness. That sounds incredible. Um and also like as do you do you find that uh through drag you're learning or just it is it uh, uh are you learning things that you you didn't expect to learn I've learned a lot more about confidence and being goofy on stage like I think a lot of people put a pre a huge pressure on it and overthink everything which I do all the time so I learned to just go with it and sometimes your mistakes actually make it work better like in pageantita for my first lip sync I my costume almost fell apart and it was like freaking me out like I was like panicking on stage but I managed to make it work and like time it properly and everything so um I think mistakes often make the performance better is something I learned that is just like very crucial to a new a new performer yeah. Um, um, sorry, my brain is all over the place. No. It's, yeah. <laughs> Would you say that your disability influences uh, your performances? And I mean, obviously it does because disability affects every aspect of your life. That's why I can't remember these freaking sentences. Um, but yeah, uh, how, how do you explore that, that intersection um, in your performances? I wanted to incorporate my wheelchair as much as possible. 
I didn't want it to be just this item that I have to work around. I wanted it to be almost something that's a part of me and a part of my costume. So I rhinestoned the wheels and I was practicing a lot and trying to make dancing fluid with the wheelchair. It gets challenging. It really does. No one thinks about it, but if you wear a certain skirt, it might rip into the wheels. Oh. So <laughs> gotta be careful. <laughs> Yeah, I'm learning a lot about how to perform with a wheelchair because wasn't expecting it to be a little more complicated than I thought. <laughs> yeah, because also, yeah, I'm just thinking about like the 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 venue. Um, even if like if the stage isn't level and you're not aware of that, and you get on stage, what are you supposed to do? Oh my word! Right, right. It's it's very scary. Also, like I worry about items that accidentally appeared on stage so far that hasn't been a problem thankfully and tips haven't been either I was always worried that like me throwing my tips I might like slide off it or like trip I don't know I got all panicky but it was fine <laughs> thank goodness yeah that's good um do you have any like future plans to really deck out your wheelchair and like make I don't know, like incorporate that into being some sort of main piece for you to be dancing in and with? Because I feel like, I don't know, that would be so cool. I would do. I really would. Um, I'm trying to come up with ideas that won't look too cheesy or won't look too messy. Um, I did a Lightning McQueen's thing a while ago. I, I have like... <laughs> my Lightning McQueen stuff behind me I, another reason why I was like oh have to interview have to interview love it love it that's amazing I loved cars as a kid it was like we need to get we need to do it we need to make Lightning McQueen sexy it has to happen yeah right like so I added like a little license plate at the back and I try to make it look kind of like a car one day I want it to look even more like a car, but I don't know how to do that yet. We haven't got there. We haven't got there. Still in the works. One yeah. day. Yeah, one, one. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, yeah. No, I uh, I love that one. We'll, again, we'll show all these photos that we're talking about on the social media so that you're not left out of uh, these amazing looks because they they truly are just Oh, so fun. Like that's, that's, yeah. So what, what is, I guess, your, like, your favorite part about your favorite thing about drag? Uh, I just, it's such a good atmosphere sometimes. I think it is. My, my group of people have been really great and I just love how supportive we all are. And I think I've gained friends and like just a little bit more of a community that I could work around and feel safe around Drake has given me that and it's it's been it's just been really great I feel like that's my favorite part so far yeah was it um was it a difficult process to sort of feel like you were in community at first definitely I was very anxious I was very nervous everybody really intimidated me um I loved everybody but they were all just so nice that it just became easy. Like, I still have my moments of like, oh my God, oh my God, you guys are amazing and you're talking to me. But um, 
it's slowly gone to a place where there's no hierarchy almost with my group of people where it's just everybody supports one another equally it's not really like my drag is better than yours kind of thing so that really has helped me feel better about being in this community yeah um what would you say to someone who was thinking about stepping into drag trying it out just do it just do it um you could start with social media I think that's easiest way in my opinion um I know that sometimes going to the bar is inaccessible for people so just you know talk to people start liking things like just be yourself on social media and post like cool looks and who knows it might lead you to cool places um back to the whole venue aspect in a wonderfully accessible world what would what would the ideal venue to perform in look like for you oh um I would kill to perform in my electric wheelchair it's really heavy so I can't really bring it downstairs or whatever so either a flat ground or even just more elevators would be really cool I would like to interact with the audience more so like ramps on and off the stage would be really cool um and I don't know I just really like the idea of using my electric wheelchair and just whizzing around and singing and performing I think it'd be so much fun so maybe one day maybe one day yeah um if uh, that reminds me, I heard of this, um, I can't remember the name uh, exactly, but I know that Andrew Gerza was involved in the play, uh, but uh, everyone, there were, not everyone, but there were multiple people in electric wheelchairs and they would like time the the noises the wheelchair could make like with the music and with different cues on stage. Um, so just, just to like put it out there, that's that's something that can, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. That's the coolest <laughs> thing ever. Oh my God. I'm obsessed with that. That's so cool. I know that mine has a little beat noise. So like that'd be oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just ways to integrate all of the the parts of yourself in into performance is is one of the things that I I love so much about about the about drag yeah right it's so cool it's so cool I I think there's so much more we could end up doing with anything mobility aids whatever you need um I think they could be more fun rather than a burden or even just a distraction from your performance I think it could almost amplify it because it's like you're celebrating all of you yeah yeah Back to um, idealist, uh, uh, idealist thinking, uh, in terms of audiences, what would your ideal audience be like? Um, I really love it when everybody like shouts and screams and just have like, just is living for everybody that's performing and just has like this really energetic, exciting air. I do really like it when they respect boundaries. That's that one's I really like that one. That one's nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just really love it when there's just this infectious air and just this excitement around it. Well, that's yeah, that's amazing. Um, is there any other 
aspects of drag that you would like to talk about that we haven't already touched on? I I do think um, my biggest thing that I, it's, it's already getting there. We're already getting there. There's like emotion in play, but I do feel like more diversity and just more, um, even just more different types of people that can perform and do different things, exploring more gender. Um, just, I don't know. I just think we could go so much further with everything that I think we could include everyone and it could just be like this really cool thing instead of just creating boundaries in play of drag. I feel like there's a lot of stigma around what a drag queen is or like just what a drag performer is. Like I know that it's not a common thing that people know that there's different genders for drag that I wish was more a thing. Yeah, um, it's absolutely. Uh, I I had someone, um, my boyfriend actually told me, I don't know where he got it from, but he uh, gave the definition of drag as just a performance of gender, whatever that looks like. Um, how, How do you feel about that? I love that. I love that so much. That's so fun. That's so fun. I love exploring gender on stage. I never did before and it really has opened doors for me I feel less confined into one gender so I think it's it's really interesting I really like that phrase I really do um it has been absolutely lovely speaking with you um where can folks find you like upcoming shows uh social media and sort of other things awesome um I will probably have a lot of upcoming shows but they'll be announced on the party queens page on instagram facebook um they i also have an instagram called at hot wheels underscore wait sorry i messed up my own name (laughs) at hot wheels baby 28 i'm pretty sure that's it pretty sure (laughs) okay yeah we'll we'll double check but it's how many how many Hot Wheels out there that have done a biblical angel drag outfit? So, right, I would love to have so many more. Let's go, let's go! Come on, guys, <laughs> let's create an army of biblical angels. <laughs> You just heard Gaywire's interview with local drag performer Hot Wheels. If you would like to uh, be aware of some of the upcoming work that Hot Wheels is involved in, please follow at carnivalofc.nt on Instagram. And that will bring you to the Carnival of Arts Instagram page, which is going to be a inclusive, accessible drag party series throughout 2023. Information has been posted on that account at this time, and some interviews that uh, you will be hearing either previously or later were recorded before this information came out, but right now, as this episode is coming out, the information is out there. So again, at carnivalofc.nt to find out more about Edmonton's newest accessible drag party. And in case you forgot, dear listener, and because I would like to thank you personally, thank you for listening to Gaywire on CJSR 88.5 FM in Amiskwichi-Wiskigan, Treaty 6 Territory, Region 4 of the Métis Nation of Alberta, 
Thank you so very much for listening, and I have a special treat for you, and that is the aforementioned second interview of this episode with Stretcher Hyman. So without further ado, let's get to the interview. Um, well, my name is Stretcher Hyman, and I go by he, him, and drag because I'm a drag king. How, how long have you been practicing drag? So I started doing male impersonations in 2019. Then I started to really develop my own character in October of 2021. Um, I took a bit of a break because of COVID. Um, I wasn't using drag as a, a financial need so I kind of left the space to other artists but otherwise I started burlesque in 2018 which is how I met my drag mom and how I got introduced to drag as an art form that I can do as a AFAB person. What initially drew you to male impersonation? Um, I think I didn't know that one like somebody who was born a woman like myself was able to do drag. I thought I would have to be called what people used to call it like a bio queen or, you know, they would try to find different terms for it. But gender is like, it, it doesn't really matter what you are and what you want to present as on stage. But what attracts me to um, doing male impersonations and like a, a masculine form of drag is just, I think it's a self-expression quite a bit of self-expression um and um it's a lot of fun like there's a lot of kind of characteristics and um you know like um styles of clothing that you can wear that I don't normally maybe get to wear day to day or now they're starting to enter my regular closet <laughs> um but I think um that is what sort of inspired me to do that as well as like my drag member behind me came to me and said hey like you should do drag and I was like oh dress like a girl and she was like no like dress like a guy and I was like oh I didn't know you could do that so I think it all unfolded as I was like do starting to do it you know what I mean like there was never like uh oh my god I want to I want to do that I see that um, it was just sort of like, oh, okay, I didn't really realize this was an option for me, but I really enjoy it. Yeah, so almost like you were sort of like subconsciously doing it already before you found out about it. That's so cool. In a way, I think like maybe like my characteristic of my like my regular personality, <laughs> you could say, and um, um, just like this desire to always like be a boy was sort of, yeah, it was sort of the subconscious thing when it came to then eventually doing drag in a masculine form and presenting that way yeah how did you how did you feel when you sort of um like what was the process of discovery for your drag persona what, what did that feel like it was definitely inspired by my drag mom once again Ruby Hyman she's a, more of like a she's definitely got a country background but she's not afraid to like get into some other styles of drag as well like the first time I came out of Stretcher Hyman I did what did I do again oh I did like fever by uh, Michael Buble, like a cover of Fever by him. And 
it was very cabaret style, definitely inspired by my burlesque stuff, which I think has a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, um, sharing between those two characters, you could say. And then definitely locked into country early on um, and like silly, like silly country. So um, Red Solo Cup as a song. Um, there's another one called Fuck Off by Wayne County and or like save a horse ride a cowboy so very like that not not too conceptual um but more like um what would you say uh, a bit of a menace <laughs> as a country menace on stage so yeah so you've mentioned your drag mom a number of times um how how has that relationship uh influenced your your performance practice um like pretty great uh like she's really influenced me because otherwise I would have never really it would have taken a lot longer I think for me to have been introduced to art um and sort of discover like where my like talents lie I think she has a knack for seeing talent in other people and pulling that out of them um she also sews so I'm a spoiled child (laughs) when it comes to maybe like a last minute outfit that needs to be done um and yeah, no, she's a really great person. She's in my life um, beyond just drag. You know, we spend time outside of that together quite a bit. Uh, she's really good in terms of as well, like when it comes to a gig or something I haven't done before, let's say traveling like to Grand Prairie, uh, you know, running a bingo, a drag bingo, hosting, running a show, um, picking up a random little side gig somewhere. like. She really like lets me know what to expect with those places. And um, I think I've been able to be a little bit more professional as well as like, you know, just have a good expectation of what's out there based on her knowledge of like what the drag world looks like. I think she's been doing it for over 15 years. So we'll give it to her. Yeah. I mean, she sounds like an absolutely like invaluable resource to help you in obviously more ways than one. Um, so in terms of your like creative process for developing a performance, you're you're you've said country and menace. Um, how do you how do you create that country menace vibe? Oh my goodness, that's a hard question. I think like it depends on the song. I'm really like I grew up playing the piano and I grew up dancing. Um, so I'm heavily inspired by like the sound of the music, which might sound a bit weird. Um, but we are performing to songs and mixes and you know. Um, even ad lib audio over top of like a mix or something like that and I think when I listen to a specific song and that really like fits you know feels good on the inside um, and has a really nice solid bass line um, that's when I'm kind of like okay from here on out I can develop or create like a a personality around the song or a vibe or um, just sort of like what I'm going to be doing on stage effectively so um yeah what would you say your favorite part about developing a performance is oh um wow I like having it start I guess so for me like I'll start by listening to the song probably over 100 times um in my car at home like blast some music um I guess my favorite part for develop like in terms of developing it I guess uh once it starts getting into like the costume situation. So once I put my costume on and I, I really get a sense of what I'm gonna look like, 
uh, I think that's when I really start to feel the fantasy. That's awesome. Um, and then when you finally, like when you do get to perform uh, in, in front of people, how does that feel? Um, it's really great. Honestly, there's, um, I remember because I danced growing up and in 2018, I finally got back into performance art. And um, when I stepped on stage, I remember feeling like I was like, damn, this is what I should be doing. <laughs> um, now, not every performance feels amazing, um, depending where you're at emotionally and mentally and physically. But I think for the larger part, like for a large part of it, I feel um I don't know. I just have a great time out there and I really want to connect with the people in the audience. And, you know, I hope that they're having fun and it's sort of this like, you know, it's, it sometimes it's a bit of an out-of-body experience. If it's really a top-notch performance, you like, I definitely like get off stage and I'm like, what did I do? <laughs> so. On the performance track, uh, in terms of venue, what would your ideal venue to perform in be like and and why um okay an ideal venue um I would like a large two-tiered stage um I do like steps they're fun to play around with that being said they can be very risky um and not very accessible for those who are disabled so I'll keep that in mind but large stage um I like the audience when they're like seated a little lower than you so you feel a little bit more tall and elegant. Um, and then they have a better sight line that way. Um, then I would like a solid base pay for the performer. Um, usually I think about $100 a number right now is what I'm going for. So I would be happy with that. Um, and yeah, I would like to be offered like two free drinks um, maybe a meal if they offer food there, just as a, a kind of this, like, you know, this reciprocation and bringing in people and, you know, uh, like a, bringing in audience and talent for you and like a lot of energy. So, you know, if we can like the sort of this natural exchange between vendor or venue and artist. Um, and I guess like I would like the sound system and lights just to be like spot on, you know, there's nothing better than good lights <laughs> and good lighting on your, on your, on your piece, you know, it really elevates what you're doing. And if the audio is really good, then, you know, the audience is enjoying it and they're engaged, you know, they're not distracted. So yeah, no, all of that sounds like it's making it a totally like immersive experience. I like that. Um, do you think that uh, in terms of like venues treating their performers with adequate respect, I'm not sure that respect is the right word, but like, yes, respect, but also more than just that. Um, do, you, do you feel that venues uh, are, are doing that currently or that there's a lot to be done? That's a great question. Um, right now, I think there's a bit of a struggle with some of the venues in Edmonton, um, you know, I always said going into the each space is that I have to like maintain my own professional relationship with the space. Um, but sometimes it's difficult because you feel like you um, are lacking, like you said, some some respect and just some understanding of the level of like work that goes into what you're doing as a drag artist because drag as a form of media is still developing um, and still earning its like, you know, it's stripes. Um, so there's some really great places to work in the city. 
Um, and then there's some places that are just not as much fun um, just because of the way that uh, we're paid or we're made to feel about working there. Um, and I think it comes down to like good leadership of um, and management of like a, a venue and a space that does more than just restaurant um, or bar kind of sales. So yeah, I think it's, um, it's a forever, it's gonna be a forever like growing and changing relationship with venues across the city. Um, and like I said, like every artist is responsible for maintaining their own professional relationship with those spaces. And they have to also do their due diligence and considering what their actions have towards the rest of the community as well, right? Um, and vice versa, that venue has to consider what their actions have, uh, how their actions have an impact on the community around them. You know, you're dealing with a lot of um, disabled and marginalized artists as well. So that should be at like the forefront of your, your sort of, um, your approach as a, as a venue owner, right? Um, especially if you have disabled artists and um, you know, BIPOC individuals who are working in your spaces. So yeah, lots to like, there's always lots to think about and lots to consider and um, yeah, great question. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very, it's interesting because there's always room to improve and, and yeah, lots of stuff going on there. <laughs> maintaining your own professional relationship uh, with a place that you might be sort of dependent on for exposure when mm -hmm. the re reciprocity, uh, reciprocal relationship from them has not been very um, respectful that can, yeah, but if it is, then yeah. <laughs> imagine yeah. the kind of like art that artists could do if artists were compensated properly every single time. Yeah, and I also think like, you know, we just have one queer space technically in Edmonton. So I think it would be so lovely to see that expanded again and see more um, basically what you would call like gay bars across the city because um, yeah, it just allows us to be like safe um, in an environment that, you know, when we go to venues that aren't queer or gay bars, um, I think there's sometimes just this like concern. I was like, what, what is the washroom situation going to be like? Um, does their clientele understand like what this form of art means and, you know, not to touch the performers and that there's like consent is mandatory and as consent should be mandatory in those spaces already, you, you become unsure, especially in such a, uh, a province like Alberta. So, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, thanks for uh, bringing that up because it's it's very it's very important. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. um, you did mention your drag mom, uh, and aside from your drag mom, do you identify as being in community with drag performers in Edmonton? And how does that feel? Oh my god, yes, I live with a drag performer, um, so it is my whole life. <laughs> um, their name is a boy, actually just chiming in to say that uh, our Gaywire interview with a boy actually will be coming in the coming weeks. Can't give you a specific date, but it will be coming soon because it has been recorded, so stay tuned. Anyways, back to the interview with Stretcher Hyman. Um, and they're a drag queen in the scene. Um, 
And I also have a couple siblings. So I have Adrenaline, Pheromone Kills, and Romulus. Um, they're all a part of the House of Hyman as well. And yeah, I think I've just been able, I've been graced by like so many great connections and friendships in this community. Um, people are so kind, honestly. And I've just, I, I don't know, I feel warm in my heart right now. You know, I like with, with all these individuals around me, you know, there's, we spend time outside of drag together. Um, we spend time in drag together and it's just a really lovely thing. I think there's an excellent, diverse community in Edmonton for drag and there's so many people. <laughs> so there's lots of people to meet and to become friends with. Um, and I've just had a lovely time hanging out with everybody. So Yeah, no, I, I love the way that you, that you uh, describe that because of course it's very along the lines of, of chosen family um, uh, dynamics that are very popular with so many folks um, across so many different experiences. Um, but it's a sort of unique experience because it sounds like you're both like a family in drag and out of drag. So how does, how does the, the sort of, does the dynamic feel different or does it feel like you're elevated to some sort of like special club? <laughs> oh man. Yeah, no, it's very elite. <laughs> no, it's just, um, no, we, uh, I guess with my drag family and like my roommate, like it's a really, um, I guess you're able to talk about things outside of drag. And that's, I think that's important sometimes, you know, like, as artists, you have to you have to be able to tell others how how your day is going outside of the art, right? Like it's not just about you being in drag and having that persona. So there's a really, um, but beyond that, you get to share so many ideas, and you know, all of your you get to share some of those like artistic quirks and like um, really feed off of each other and grow that way. And I think I've been able to like become the artist I am because of the community around me. You know, I have somebody telling me not to do something. I probably shouldn't do it, you know? Um, so it's been, it's been a really good way to like avoid making um, mistakes, but also like, you know, gain a few like tricks and maybe a few items of clothing as well <laughs> from some of my, you know, fellow family members and roommate and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, well, that sounds awesome. Um... So in, in terms of, uh, I guess this is just back to this sort of, we talked about this before I started the, the recording. Um, a lot of the media surrounding drag is focused on drag queens uh, and a very sort of cut and dry one way of being a drag performer. Um, and that's slowly expanding. There are like, there are more mainstream shows uh, exploring different types of drag. Um, but uh, what would you say to someone who is just finding out now that there are other types of drag performers and um, if they might feel like that could be something that's calling them? Um, I guess I would say like I was there once too. Um, there, there is no one way to be gay um, or queer, you know, there's, so many ways to express yourself as an individual and um go for it you know like there's like you were saying there's shows like dragula um call me mother that accept all types of bodies and forms of expression um and gender expression and identity 
And I think that's a really beautiful thing because, you know, we need to see ourselves represented, especially as uh, AFABs who typically get pushed to the wayside um, when it comes to queerness and gender identity and accessibility to like this mainstream media sort of, um, you know, a way to make a living off of it effectively, right? Um, so yeah, if somebody's seeing it for the first time, just don't be afraid to give it a shot and, you know, discover if you like putting on a mustache <laughs> and a pair of cowboy boots, or if you prefer, um, you know, some fancy jewels or a little bit of both, right? <laughs> Is there any other um, aspects of drag that you'd like to sort of explore today before we sort of talk about where folks can find you? Oh, I guess what I've discovered recently is that drag isn't just on the stage and at the venue. Like you can definitely find yourself at like the library, like reading to children. Um, you can find yourself at a lot of online bingos and gigs like that. And um, like I've recently started doing um, a home movie called Stretcher's situation so I'll you know one of them was stretcher's urban situation the other one was stretcher's kitchen situation and as much as we've come away from doing things online um especially in like the artistry world I've decided to make these short films for fun with people from the community and I think it's just it's really expanded the way that I'm like oh you know you can do drag on tiktok right like there's so many other ways to express yourself so don't be afraid to like start by going maybe on the online route or like you know even um there was recently a show called um drag i would say drags and dildos or drag queens and dildos and like they made ceramic dildos with a lady and like who does her name is uh out of sexpletive and like so they you know they collaborated and worked on these like ceramic dildos for a bit together and i think there's just like you know like we're looking at entering all kinds of areas and not just venues and I think that's a really fun and cool thing about drag so don't be afraid to like get out there and get dirty with it. I recently found out that like online drag was a thing and it it truly just drag is not just accessible in terms of different genders but also any form of of expression really um which is which is kind of cool I guess uh, um so in terms of any upcoming shows, any social media, or uh, where to find these situation short films? Um, totally, yeah. So I, the stretcher situations can be found on my link tree and my Instagram. Um, so if you want to go watch a couple short films, they're on there, as well as links to any other shows that I have coming up. And um, yeah, I basically have Instagram. It's called Stretcher Strawberry, um, which is a combination of both my burlesque name as Stra Strawberry Von Strudel and Stretcher Hyman. And um, I plan to make a TikTok soon. So I think it's also gonna be Stretcher Strawberry. You can look for that on my link tree, but that's about it. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. This has been awesome. You just heard my interview, myself being Terrence Adams, and the interviewee being Stretcher Hyman, a local drag king in Edmonton. Be sure to check out their social medias, which I will say in this next pre-recorded bit that I did before I recorded this bit. Bloop.
All right, and that is all of the time that we have for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you would like to check out the social media of the amazing performers that were interviewed during this episode, you can check out Hot Wheels on Instagram at Hot Wheels Baby 28 uh, with a Z instead of an S, and you can find Stretcher Hyman at Stretcher Strawberry on Instagram, which is a combination of both their drag performer name and their burlesque name. So again, at Hot Wheels Baby 28 with a Z for Hot Wheels and Stretcher Strawberry on Instagram. And with that, I shall let y'all go. If you want to keep listening to my voice, feel free to head on over to Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, look up Gaywire CJSR, pick an episode, and pick a portion of where I'm speaking that you want to listen to. There are many. Anyways, if you don't want to do that, I hope you stay warm, and I hope that you do not mysteriously grow an ingrown toenail in the night. But until then, please stay on the line. Gaywire is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM in Amiskwichi, Wiskigan, colonially known as Edmonton, land which has been the home and traveling ground of many, including but not limited to the Nehia, Dene, Nakota Sioux, Anishinaabe, Nitsitapi, and Métis. All of us at Gaywire encourage you to think critically about the structures of power we reside within, your role in and around it, and what you can do to challenge the damaging legacies and mechanisms of colonialism in your day-to-day. Reconciliation is not a one-time thing, it's an ongoing practice. For more information about local indigenous resources, please visit e2s.ca. Please tune in next week to hear more Prairie Queer content, and until then, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download podcasts. You can find us online at gaywire.transistor.fm, and on Facebook or Twitter at Gaywire, and at GaywireCJSR on Instagram and TikTok. Let us know what you think of the show. Hit up the DMs sometime on Instagram, or if you'd rather be fancy, you can also email gaywirecjsr at gmail.com, and you never know, you just might get to be a part of the show. Our artwork is by Travis Erickson, original music by Doug Hoyer and Catherine Hiltz. <laughs>